because I grew up with extremely impoverished, uh, domestic violence, drugs, alcohol, all that in my home, lots of abuse and trauma. And so I always pictured like me as being wrong or less than other people who had done life differently. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jackson Gage Collective. My name is Jackson Gage, and this is my podcast. Some say the most intriguing podcast in the world, and uh, I tend to agree with them, those of them that say that. And uh, today we have a good show, man. I have uh, somebody who, people who listen to my podcast will know this guy, William Dennis, a.k.a. Turner Smiles aka coach of the year and um he you know we get in depth on relationships we get in depth on we start getting into some really good depth on uh on suffering and and you know depression and darkness and and working through the dark areas of life uh but as far as relationships and love and healthy relationships we get into that a little bit and so i appreciate you being here and I would like you to subscribe, whether you're on Spotify or iTunes, if you can leave a review, go on Spotify, just leave a, f- a five star review or however many stars you deem necessary. And uh, I would prefer five, but I can't tell you what to do, but it helps, helps us get the message out. helps us get this out to more people as we're just beginning to grow this beautiful plant of a podcast. And we water it with your love and we water it with your listening and we water it with your subscriptions and we water it with your shares and we water it with your follows. So uh, I appreciate you first and foremost because I wouldn't be able to, I mean, the podcast would be nothing if there were no ears to share the love with. So ears and hearts and minds and souls and bodies. So um, again, thanks for listening and we appreciate you. And just just an update, me, William, the guest I have today is my co-host on my other podcast, the uh, Soul Rollers podcast. It's a jujitsu podcast. And on that podcast, we discuss jujitsu, life and self-mastery. And if you're into that type of stuff, namely jujitsu and personal growth, you know, that's a podcast for you. We did one full season, which was, I think, about 40 episodes, a lot of good value in there. We were both white belts when we started that podcast and we both become blue belts through that process. And we, we uh, talk about the journey through those 40 episodes and then we had a break uh we had some things going in life and we're going to start season two here pretty soon so check that out on spotify and itunes if you're into that like i said and again uh thanks for being here my guest is william dennis he's a if you don't know he's a retired police officer he's a life coach and you should look into his life coaching hit him up on instagram at the at the will dennis and uh you know He's, he's very passionate. He's not one of these dudes who's just becoming a life coach because he's a retired cop or he's retired or he's left his job and he's trying to make money doing something. He's not about that at all. He's completely about helping you become the person you want to become in your life and getting over the roadblocks and obstacles that are holding you back from doing that and figuring out what those are first, obviously. So he's, a, he's an excellent coach and you should hit him up. The Will Dennis. Tell him I sent you. And um, yeah, man. So... William, he spent his William's passion is reading, and he's also studying uh, psychology in school right now. And he's just his whole world is about figuring out the human mind and how to live the, you know, how to get over our past traumas and live the the healthy life that we're meant to live. Basically, you know, not in so many words. William would probably explain it to you a lot better because it's his life. But uh, I can tell you one thing: William is passionate about helping people, 
And that's why I have him here on the show, you know. So thanks for listening and let me know what you think. Leave a rating and review. Go on Spotify and leave a voice message and hit me up on Instagram at The Increase Life and let's connect. So thanks for listening. And William P. Dennis, a.k.a. Dr. Turner Smiles, I appreciate you having having you here. I appreciate having you here. And uh, welcome to the Jackson Gage Collective. William. Got William on the show. How's it going, William? What's going on, man? Good, man. I'm glad we uh, finally got it done. Finally connected and we're here. Yeah, exactly. Finally here. And uh, yeah, man, get this get this ball rolling again with our, our consistent podcasting, man. Although, although this is the Jackson Gage Collective, we can... Uh, We've been talking about doing the second season of Soul Roller, so I'm, I'm pumped about that. So, um, were you, you going to say something right now? It seems no. like life is like a series of starts and stops, you know? Like, uh, you got to understand, you know, because I think through a lot of the journey I've been on and trying to figure myself out, and you were there at the very beginning when I was very unconscious, so to speak. Um, yeah. It's, you know, you can't allow the struggle so so to speak of like figuring yourself out it's going to be a series of starts and stops and starts and stops and like you're, you're really trying to maneuver through and understand things so whether there's breaks and in, in certain things and at times in life and you know life itself can be overwhelming you know like having a baby or you know blowing your knee to pieces or whatever happens you know yeah, yeah, um, yeah. there's there's a a lot to that that's subtle but it's all a part of the journey and it, and hindsight's twenty twenty, of course and a lot of times you look back and you're like oh that's why it took that much time and you can be humbled by that and also uh, have a lot of gratitude for it because one of the struggles i've had a lot of times and i was just telling you about that read wise is it's slowing me down i've always gone so fast in life and as we get to talking here it'll probably come out more significantly in my stories uh I've always been going so fast with such an urgency that a lot of times I can miss the value of being present and the value of what's right in front of me. So uh, a lot of times our journey can take us to these big pauses. And if we're willing and able to kind of have awareness, we can see the value in them. That's my take on it at least. Yes, man. That's that's one of the lessons I learned. And I'll go into more detail on the next on the first episode we do of soul rollers about my knee injury. So stay tuned for that. And I'll tell you all about it. But when I fell, when I hurt my knee, it, I was in a hurry. Yeah, I was just moving along, just fucking moving along. Like I always had thoughts everywhere, moving along, you know, getting 80, 80 things to do for the day. And I'm thinking, and I'm going, you know, and I'm boom. And, uh, it, it just, it, the, you know, the universe life, whatever, just, just like slow the fuck down, slow the fuck down and, and take a deep breath and live that way, you know, and, uh, cause I've had to slow everything down, you know, I, I, for like a month, I could barely walk. So, um, yeah, man, that speaks to what you were saying is life will slow you down if you need to, you know, if you're not slowing down on your own, you know, it, it, it just like with all lessons, if you're not learning on your own life will give you the fucking opportunity to learn. And they're not always the funnest lessons, but, uh, they'll yeah, teach you if you're that. open to it. I heard that recently is like life is a solo sport. You know, we come into it alone. We come out of it. We go out of it alone. Like, and even interactions and relationships and connections really like even time with you. Like if I'm talking to you about something I'm struggling with, 
and you, maybe you reflect like an experience or you give me advice or you share something with me that, that moves me and inspires me to make a different decision. I alone still have to take that action. You know, you can't, it's like, Hey Jackson, I'm going to go take a nap. Can you go do a workout and give me the benefits of that workout? It's like, no, <laughs> like I can improve the environment. I can improve the methods in which I exercise to make it more efficient. So that I don't have to spend as much time maybe working out than I did before when I was doing it kind of sloppy, maybe, but overall it's like, I've got to do the work it's earned, you know? So everything in life is earned. It's not given, you know, it's like, you've got to earn it. And that, that solo thing, it could sound very lonely, but it's also like, it could validate the importance of relationships. You know, we're, we're, we're beings that are flawed and, and we don't have all the answers and we really don't know what the hell we're doing. And yet we can come together and relate with each other because of that, not at the expense of each other. It's like, Hey, you can support me. I can support you. Maybe you're skilled at something naturally without even effort. Like it's just natural to you. And I, I just don't have that mechanism in me and, and vice versa. And then we can begin to on this solo journey, kind of walk parallel, you know, and be like, bro, you're doing great. Keep it up, man. Hey, you know, that, that left turn that's coming up, you know, lean this way or, or take this, you know, metaphorically, like be aware of this and, and you could do the same for me, you know? Hey, there's a speed bump coming up. Don't make it a wall, right? Like at times in life where we're hitting a speed bump, we think, oh man, I've slowed down. I have, I'm not going as fast, right? It's just a speed bump, you know, and good on you for slowing down because I've hit some speed bumps at the wrong speed and my, the top of my head slammed into the roof of the cop car and it, it was rough, you know, it's like, ow, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. You ever did that? Oh, I, I did. I did a couple times, man, when I was a newer cop, you know, and yeah, that's a good metaphor for life. But yeah, you don't have your seatbelt on and you fucking hit some type of bump and you fucking oh, hit your, I never like, I, I remember, I remember slamming my head in the top of the, on the ceiling and then my fucking neck hurt. And I was like, Oh fuck, that was goddamn dangerous. You know, why yeah. did my, you know, that could have been worse, you know? So then yeah, you, you know, it's funny is there's like a, it was like 42 miles an hour. You know, you know, those big, like long, like wide speed bumps in the neighborhoods mm -hmm. down in southeast they were if you hit them at like 42 you're good like your tires just went doo -doo -doo, and you went right over them like it was weird and like i said I, I learned how to get that right speed through bashing my head into the top of the car and probably breaking a few cars um but it was like i remember when i would ride with someone and they would be in passenger and you're kind of at the mercy of your partner when you're riding with someone and they're driving. Cause you're like, man, I hope you don't F this up. Cause we're going to crash. And yeah. uh, I remember coming up, we were, we were chasing a car in that neighborhood it was a stolen car. And, uh, and I, we were going after it and they kind of went to the side, hit the bumps and went over. And I'm like, Oh dude, I'm at 42. I'm good to go. But she, like my partner was like, <gasps> like so scared. Cause she saw me going so fast at the speed bumps and <laughs> she thought we were going to crash, but we went doo -doo -doo, and she like, like looked at me like what the what just happened i'm like i don't know it's this the speed you know and i just kept going but i was like it took Look some trial and error to find that speed and i wouldn't recommend uh don't quote me on that and then go wreck your car thinking that that was the perfect speed i just remember for the car i was driving in that time but it's at your own risk if you try that experiment yeah and that's uh you know that's the the metaphor for for our lives right like yeah you gotta so fucking hit your head on the ceiling <clears throat> got it excuse me <clears throat> you gotta hit your head on the ceiling multiple many times over and over before you can master whatever it is you're trying to do or even if you're not trying to it's just living you know like that book that that i think we're both kind of reading right now that james hollis his name yeah 
Yeah, I James love him. Hollis. He's amazing. What's the name of that book? The Life ex- uh, Living an Living an Examined Life. Yeah, Living an Examined Life, and he talks about how the first half of life is just a bunch of fuck ups. Like it's just all learning lessons, you know, and and then you start catching your groove around the middle of your life because you've just had to make all these mistakes to understand where you're at so far. And there's no, you know, there's no guidebook or anything. We're just trying shit, figuring it out and, uh, going from there. That's why it's so, to me, it's so imperative in our life's journey to put yourself into the, you know, the flames of life, like put yourself into whatever it is you want to do, whatever your fears are, just keep going toward those because you got to keep learning those lessons and, and fucking up and, and then you'll figure it out. It, maybe, you know, maybe you'll figure it out. A lot of you have to. That's what Elsie says. And I agree with that. Like I thought of us when I was listening to it and kind of like some of the people around me, like you, you get these lessons throughout the first part of your life because you're fucking up and making bad decisions with relationships, careers, whatever it is. You know, you're just trying shit out, but you have to be self-aware enough to learn from those lessons and get better or, or else you just become the person who you know, thinks love doesn't exist, stays in a career they hate their whole life. You know, like there's a lot of people like that too, but, uh, we're given the, this beautiful opportunity to learn throughout our life and and get better. It's constant growth, you know, until you fucking die, you know, like uh, to me, by the time we're like 90, you're going to just be like this really wise master of fucking a lot of, a lot of shit because you've made so many mistakes, you know, but in our society, we look at elderly people as like not even part of our society sometimes. And a lot of times they're the most wise people. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, for sure, man. Um, I think the idea, the concept that I've really worked on and trying to identify in my life is, you know, understanding like you don't want what you want. Like when I was struggling and, you know, the struggle I went through with retirement and everything, it was like what if you would ask me what I wanted to be like, oh, I just want money so that I can be done with all this drama and, and stuff. But it wasn't the money that I wanted. Like I wanted a feeling of aliveness. I wanted a feeling of spaciousness in my life so that I could experience life in the, the manner in which I wanted to partake in it. Right. And, and life can come at us in the, that first part of life so confusingly because we've we're living through a construct, an understanding of life that came to us in a very uh, unconscious time, you know, when we're kids, our environment, our parents, our teachers, society just kind of gave us these rules of life. Like, Hey, this is how you have to live. And you begin to perpetuate that out in your life and live it. And it, you, you kind of become so disconnected from what is true inside you. And we talked about this the other day personally. And like, uh, uh, as we were talking was like, follow that feeling, follow that intuition, follow that noticing of like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this. Hey, I'm just kind of led this way and the first thing that for the like that we we give away our 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 authenticity our our self-authority to make decisions like that for ourselves you know because we have to like when you're a baby like i have a son one-year-old amazing kid like one of the blessings of this morning that i'm so grateful for is he has this his first word was wow like every time he sees something like he looks outside he just says wow like that's his first word which i'm so proud about i'm like that's it you know he's having fun He's experiencing life and seeing it for the the amazing adventure that it is. But I pull open the blinds of the window and he's just like, oh, wow. And he looks out (laughs) the window and he's just pumped. And I'm like, how blessed am I for that? You know, but Mm -hmm. as you are experiencing life, it's like he's very dependent on me as his parent. Like I'm this this giant, like I'm so much bigger than him. He, 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 if he's hungry, he has to cry. And then I give him food or whatever, you know, like. Yeah, I do everything for him. So he's dependent upon me to get 
what he needs to survive. And so he has to like, I don't know if submit is the right word, but he has to play that game, right? Like as kids, we're powerless to these giants and the environment that we're dependent on. And so understandably, uh, without consciousness and, and without understanding, we just kind of have to go through life that way and at the beginning process. And so that could d- build up this idea of dependency. And it's that quote I sent you. I can read it if you want. Um, it, it, it's that James Hollis quote that could be talked about. And I think that would be really good to hear it. It's like um, the understanding is like it asks that we outgrow the dependent part that is covertly eager to have someone take care of us. That's where that comes from. We all were taken care of, whether we were taken care of very good or very bad. You know, we don't get to pick the cards, right? We, we, we got that parent. But we all had this image, this ideal of the perfect parent, right? That ideal parent that was so loving and considerate and kind and, and patient. And, and I mean, if you've been a parent, you know, if you are a parent, you know how hard that is to be because I'm a human struggling with my own shit. And I'm trying to figure out how to be patient, kind and loving to this other little human running around. But the rest of the quote is, so we seek unconsciously to convert our partners, our significant others, even our friends sometimes, you know, um, into good, the good parent, the one who takes the task of self-esteem, of personal accountability, the responsibility of meeting most of our needs, of our own needs, off our shoulders, right? Be- so throughout life, we have this weight on our shoulders. And that's why I was talking about why psychologically I could have mistakenly created this added adaptation of urgency like go faster don't you know so everything i do it comes with this like velocity that's so fast that my human mind can't even comprehend all the information i'm taking in and sorry if i'm getting on a rant but i'm just trying no to no go go paint for the it picture you know it's like i i created that based on how unsafe my childhood was and, and we can get into that if you want but um i needed that to survive that environment that i was powerless in Right. I was dependent on the people that were creating the unhealthy experience. And I'm not judging my parents. I love them, but that they did their best. Um, and and so I created that adaptation of urgency in my life and then carried that out through and projected it on and transferred it on to every experience I had in my life. And how could that relate to creating unhealthiness in my relationships, my friendships, right? My work environment. How fast go into that go how, at work? How, go into that with relationships. So how, how does that, how does that, um, relate to relationships? I think because a lot of people do the same shit and, yeah. and you know, and, and and I mean, I, don't even realize most people, we got to remember most people don't even take the time to, to self-reflect, you know, or to, uh, yeah. get introspective about why their life looks the way it is. But when you start thinking about it, you know, that's why it's good to go to therapy. You know, when you, when yeah. you start thinking about your life and why the fuck am I the way I am, you know, some shit me and you yeah. been doing for years, you know, um, it, it can really help your life. So why, how do you think the way that go ahead? How does that relate to you in your relationships? You know? Well, for me, um, it caused me to seek out, you know, women that were, whether you, you know, whoever your partner is, uh, I don't care, um, male, female, whatever, but it caused me to seek out partners that were, you know, in a, in a similar state of being like urgency, unsettled, unsafe, insecure, lack, you know, those kind of like, that's the story that's going on. That's the narrative in my head, whether I'm aware of it or not. And, and there's no fault when you're oblivious to these experiences because they happened at a time where we were unconscious. When you're a child, you weren't able to comprehend this. And so what we do, we disassociate from the experience 
because our body and our mind can't grasp the complexity of the trauma that's happening to us. So we have a life experience that's happening to us. We disassociate from that because, you know, a lot of kids like that go through trauma, they, they, uh, like I was a very like dreamy kid. I was very like, you know, I would look off and I'd kind of imagine things and just cause I'm learning how to disassociate from an environment that wasn't safe for me. And, but when you put that in a classroom, when you're supposed to listen to the teacher and you're supposed to do this. So there, I was a kid, they're like, yeah, get the hell out of my classroom. You're, you're like disruptive, you know? And so I always got in trouble. And it, it was because of the, the environment I came from, you know, and that's the school system doesn't really equate for that. But as relationships, so if you understand like the relationship is a container and it's a container just like this conversation. We're in a relationship right now where we're sharing ideas like I'm saying something and you're kind of, re, you know, rebutting it or, or agreeing or, you know, we're, we're interacting together. We're having an experience. Right. And if this container, if I was rushed and I'm like looking all over the place, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, do you see like the energetic of that? Yeah. And so imagine that in a marriage when you need to slow down, you need to understand the complexity of, hey, let's go have a baby together. Let's go have sex together. Let's go all the intimacies of a relationship. Like your mind is doing something like you were saying when you fell, like your mind, you're thinking about something. You're not present, right? For the current moment right now. You know, feeling the seat that I'm sitting in, like seeing you and, and looking at your your face as I'm talking to you so that we can have a conversation and I can inter- interpret of like your experience. And, and, you know, every there's so much depth to a, a human experience and presently having it. And and so for me, it's like understanding, like, I think I sent you that text where the past isn't the past, really. Most of us are so stuck in those moments of wounding that we bring it with us. And we transfer that experience into this present moment. And so it's like flashbacks or stuff like that with PTSD that I struggled with. Like I literally, uh, I don't know if I should, I, I, I don't know like the, what is it called? Like how long something lasts, like to where you can get charged with it or something, but like, Oh, um, uh, so this story, of limitations, the statue of limitations. I don't know if I still have that on me, but, uh, cause I've been tired <laughs> for a little while, but. Uh, this story could be figurative and like made up or it could be uh, really happened. I don't know. Um, you can't get me to confirm <laughs> or deny, but I, I remember coming back after a very, like an OIS, like an officer involved shooting that I had. And once I got back, I was in another pursuit and the guy was running down the road and I was coming up in the car and I had a flashback of what happened on that other thing where I wasn't there anymore. Like I was literally just watching what happened in the past. It was very freaky. And I remember like waking up, I guess, I don't know how you'd call it. I know that psychologically and neuro, like neuroscience, they could break it down a little better than I am, but I literally was not there anymore. Like I wasn't driving the car anymore. I was at the other experience I had. And then I remember like blinking my eyes and I looked up and I had hit a fence and like sort of struck the guy with our car on the, with the door and all this other stuff happened, but it was completely like. It all worked out, but it was very unconscious because I had flashback to the other trauma that I experienced. Very crazy. That's how powerful our mind is. So I, that's, that's an extreme example, but the understanding is when we begin to interact or conversate with our significant other over money, over the kids parenting, over buying a house, having a baby or parenting or whatever, anything that could kind of cause us to start feeling unsettled inside, what happens? We become the past self not the present self right now and to navigate that and the emotional uproar that happens inside of us because we go back to those traumatic events and if you think about your wounds if you think about your trauma which 
like you said, do that in therapy so you have the support, you know, and the and the compassion and the, and the container that sacred space of hold someone holding space for you, so you can do it in a way that you don't re-traumatize yourself, right? So we create a message in that trauma, that wound of powerlessness, of insecurity, of lack, of low self-esteem or whatever. Like we, we say a message about ourselves like, oh, well, man, I was really not capable of, of overcoming that event, even though I was five years old and I was trying to fight a grown man to keep him from hurting my mom. You know, it's like, well, that doesn't seem very fair. Like you're five, you know? And so we could, because it's us, we don't have the objectivity that you would have when I share the story with you. And you could be like, William, man, that, that was very brave of you. You shouldn't look at yourself as negative because of that. And that you can help me through that. And and help me understand a more compassionate uh, viewpoint of that experience that can that can facilitate healing, at least the beginning process of it. And so inside relationships, I always say they're a container uh, and a mirror to show us where we're not free, right? Where we're stuck, where we're still wounded, and where that's still playing unconsciously, completely oblivious to us, right? I can yeah. come and be really aggressive with you when you say something, you're like, I wasn't trying to be mean, man. Why are you so upset? And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm just really upset right now. Like, this really hurt. And you're like, okay, well, why? What's going on for you? And it's like, oh, man, when, when I was six, like, this happened to me. It made me really upset when you said that. So it isn't you. It's my past coming up, right? And we all need to be understanding that we all have that, whether you like it or not. And maybe you had it in a version of one, like, where your dad just said something negative to you. And I'm not, it's just a metaphor. I'm not saying you did. Um, or maybe another person had it where their parents slapped them and actually physically hit them. You know, they're all versions of, of experience are, are meaningful to each person. But so that's how I believe like our the beginning first half of our life plays a part and isn't past. It's not gone. It's not disappeared, but we can outgrow it. We can integrate it into the experience that we're having. We can allow it to give us a broader perspective of what's possible for that experience instead of like, shun that part of us and go oh fuck here i am this fucking wimpy kid again just crying because my my wife said i i'm stupid or something i don't know like whatever the experience is my wife got mad at me so i'm really upset because i always try to make my mom happy or try to keep her from getting upset you know to keep the house safe there's so many complex <clears throat> degrees to it but that's how i see it as urgency if you really think of it as an energy instead of like a judgment you can see how it could have these certain characteristics in it and how those can play out in your current real life circumstances. Is, is that a yeah. rant or does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack of course, yeah. cause, but, uh, how do you think? So basically what you're saying and a lot of, you know, you're talking about living from the past, you know, living from the past and, even that term right there, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people understand what that means, but you kind of just explained it right there. You know, you're living from your past traumas and the, the shit that went on before, how you used to be yesterday. But in the amazing thing about humans is we can choose to be somebody else today, you know? And, um, yep. I feel like that's the power of, that's one of the, that's one of our most powerful gifts, man, that, that is not is underutilized, right? The choice to be who you want to be from right now, because, you know, like Eckhart Tolle, man, the power, the power of now this is yep. all we have is this moment. So why not take this moment and create what you want to create, which is not as easy as it sounds, but exactly. You, you don't have to use the past as an excuse of why you're behaving the way you are today because the past is gone. So you can choose new behaviors from today and figure that whole portion out. Um, 
and like you were saying up earlier, to the point we, of the work you do right like that's yeah. the consciousness of it like if you are willing to be aware of your past first because if you're not aware of it if you don't even acknowledge that it, that it happened to you how the heck are you going to see it when it comes up in this present moment and yeah. so it's almost like choice is an illusion up to some degree of consciousness or awareness of your experience of life. And that's why I think it's so unfair of like how hard we are on each other and the decisions we make and the judgments we put on each other. Because honestly, dude, like y you were there when I met you, you began filtering contrasting viewpoints into my life that really shook me up that I just was not aware of. And so how can you hold me responsible for something I was completely oblivious to? Like it just yeah. didn't click in my brain. I had no clue what you're saying. And, and I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And it's not but, fair to hold someone responsible for that. Yes. So in my, my viewpoint. Yeah. Back to what I was saying. Um, and bouncing off of that is that's also like the power of things like podcasting and coaching and uh, words. Yeah. Um, because like you said, when I, I was throwing some contrasting views at you on life and you know, I tend to have those and fucking, uh, but it's just words, right? One, it, it, we can take, we can get really fucking in depth into all these fucking different concepts and everything. But really, you know, I think just a, a few, if, if you're really good at it, a few words can make a difference in somebody's life, you know, instead of getting too analytical about it, you can tell somebody, Hey, here's the deal. You're living from your past right now. You can choose to be the person that you want to be because now is all you have. The past is no longer yeah. there. You can step out of that person and be the person you want to be in this moment, you know, and it might not, it's not as easy as it sounds, but it is as easy as it sounds because there's somebody who would listen to that and be like, Oh fuck I can. Well, here's who I want to be and who's here's who I'm going to be. Fuck it. You know? Um, I remember when I was younger, <clears throat> the power of words, I was younger. I, I probably told this story before, but, um, I, I'll always remember it. I was, uh, I was in this long relationship cause I was like a codependent kid, got in a relationship at a very young age and I needed somebody to fill the spot of my mother, you know, like I needed to be in a relationship. I thought that's what I had to do. I had to have a woman. And, uh, and I, I did that a lot throughout my life. But when I was younger, I was with this girl and I was like, fuck what? Well, it was like six years or something. And I'm thinking to myself, I was in my, um, early, maybe 20, 19 or 20, probably 19. I was like, why have I been with this girl for so long? You know, I've experienced what I need to experience. I'm just in this relationship because I have to be. And I don't even know, like I, I didn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And I, I was working at this grocery store and I saw a buddy of mine that I grew up with. I hadn't seen him in years. He was, um, he was like the star baseball player and he had played like semi pro and all that, you know, but he always had his shit together. And I, uh, you know, I talked to him for a minute and, uh, I told him about the, the, he's like, Oh, you're still with so-and-so. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, fuck. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. What, well, you know, like I don't, it's no good. You know, I'm just with her. And he was like, he was like, bro, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do in life, man. And he told me that. And I'm like, fuck, nobody ever fucking affirmed that to me. Like, nobody told me that before. I didn't realize it, but that sentence affected my whole goddamn outlook on life. Just a sentence, you wow. know, from, you know, and I, I still remember to this day, I was like, Fuck, wow. I don't. And then I was, I, I got, I ended that relationship, you know, cause I was like, I don't have to do this. Wow. Know? But it took somebody telling me. Yeah. And, well, and, you know, that was sadly, powerful. a lot of times it does and that's okay. Like, like words themselves are a container, right? They, they hold power and that's why it's so important. You know, two things that came up when you're sharing that, you know, not just the story itself at the end, but the, uh, you being a contrarian, that's a very good, important thing in life. You know, I think we all try to like, 
fit in so succinctly at the, the, the fear of not belonging or something, um, it could cost us like our authenticity, you know? So we need the talented, the, the artistic, uh, ones of all of us to actually, um, see contra- contrarian, like, like the, the contrarian view of life and kind of bring out that aspect, that sentence, that powerful sentence. He said, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. It's like, Oh, wait, what? You know, he was being contrarian, right? Like in that moment to the yeah. way you viewed life. And so through that, he created just like many contrarian artistic people do this inspirational sentence, inspirational collection of words that allowed you to expand your perspective of life. That's yes. so powerful and so important. And that's what's lost when we stop being authentic. We, like you said, like, man, people sharing and doing podcasts and doing things. There's, it's very scary to do that. Honestly, you know, like you get afraid to like share your, your point of view. Maybe it'll upset someone. Maybe it'll offend someone, you know? Um, and that can really cost you because there's so many people that could be impacted even if they disagree with you, you know, you don't have to agree for it to be valuable, you know? And and that's where we kind of get lost on like, everyone has to, to agree. Everyone has to say the same. Everything has to do the, it's like, no. Like we, you can be completely different than me and still hold value and, and an understanding that I don't have. And, and I think that's so important, you know, and the fact that, and, and like I said, I think relationships are our biggest, um, like containers for growth and change in our lives. And so the fact that you brought that experience up, I think it just speaks volumes because I remember a relationship and, and just to kind of build off what you shared, like I had a relationship where it checked all the boxes I was told I needed to check in life, right? Because I grew up with extremely impoverished, uh, domestic violence, drugs, alcohol, all that in my home, lots of abuse and trauma. And so I always pictured like me as being wrong or less than other people who had done life differently. And so when I wanted to date, I wanted this like put together person, which is just me being judgmental and controlling of the person, which is not love not true connection and intimacy at all sadly but i was oblivious to it so there's no fault it's like we're all figuring this out and and fucking it up equally at the same time yeah um, sorry for cussing um no i like it but so i was dating this person that checked like oh good job like a house a career like all these like white picket fence like perfect parents all this stuff but when i looked at it i had this experience after a couple of years in the relationship where i was like holy shit like i am literally just like a co-star in the idea of the movie of her life and you could you could replace me with any other person and i would it would be equally as valuable to her as long as she gets to play out the story of her life the way she envisioned for herself so that her parents would give her some sense of security or appreciation for who she is that she seemed to be lacking i'm like i am just playing along with her story I really hold no value to her. Like she could have just replaced me with some other guy. And she did within a week. Like, like I broke up with her and it's like, she was already dating someone else that fit right in. And I'm like, Oh, I was just, and I told her that like, honestly, I don't think we should, we're, we're dating material. Like you're my friend and I, I love you as a person, but I, I don't want to be with you. And, and I wasn't saying that meanly. I meant it. You know, like if I truly love you as a friend and a human, I won't be in your way to prevent you from being with someone, hopefully, that you truly want to be with. I don't know her experience of life, but that's what I was taking from it. And so I'm like, I'm good. Like, I want to follow my heart in this. You know, I don't want to be someone just, just playing a role, fitting a role for someone else's 
made up narrative in their head. Like I want a full, mysterious, unique experience of intimacy and connection and growth and building a life with someone and not knowing what the next day is going to hold and not being some made up story that I made up as a kid to, to compensate for my trauma. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm, we're saying when the past isn't the past. Like you're taking that shit with you. If, you, if you're not conscious of the wounding and the trauma you experience, you just, in, you, even if it's either you're going along with it and you're just, maybe you're addicted like your parents were, maybe you're living the same life they lived, or maybe you're overcompensating for it. You know, you're overcompensating by like being the perfect like worker and you're like you're top at your job and you're making a lot of money when you grew up poor you're overcompensating that and i have that story i think i told you about uh the the millionaires i met one was like a, a drug addict on the streets of southeast and he had millions of dollars left to him by his grandparents and yet he believed so negatively about himself and he was so trapped in his trauma that he was literally a millionaire living on the streets of southeast he had like ten thousand dollars in his pocket when i met him he was laying laying in the gutter he was sleeping on the streets and I thought he had like robbed a bank or something because I'm like how the hell did you get all this money and it's like they just he has a, the trust fund and the money is just sent to him every month and he's just severely addicted to heroin yeah it was crazy like yeah. he could have had a house he could have had everything he wanted but he was living on the streets because the, the narrative in his head that's the container he lived according to and the other guy I met was in LA he was a millionaire from Wall Street and I weird story but I met him and he was just like really shared his his failures like he overcompensated and lost everything like he made all the money in the world like he was a very rich guy and yet he lost his family lost his marriage all this stuff and so he was just living in la he's like you know what i, I went through so much i'm just here to enjoy each every moment of my life from now on i'm not gonna put the pressure and the, the you know the drama on myself i'm gonna actually love everyone i meet i'm gonna be a happy person i'm gonna do what i can now and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do better, you know, than I did throughout my life trying to make all that money. And it was just a really humble guy, you know, but both of them in that, that inner, the intermediate experience of life was stuck based on that compensation they had in their head from a narrative, from their past, their pla their past was dictating the, the, the creation of their present and future experience of life. And yeah. I think that's so powerful. Yeah, man. It's, uh. Yeah, that's just a, like another testament to the power of our thoughts. You know, yeah. their both of their thoughts had placed them where they are, what they were thinking about. You know, yeah. when you get down to it. Um, yeah, and I don't think they're different. Like, I think they're equally like for one, they're they're equally like valuable innately. They're just as human beings, we all hold unquestionable value. Like, you can't change it. Even if you're a heroin addict, you're still valuable. You still matter. You're still worthy of love. You're still worthy of existence. Like, you just matter. You can't change that no matter what you do. It's like, the best metaphor I heard is like a Christmas present. Like, the potential and the joy and the the, the wonder of the present itself is wrapped up in the wrapping paper, right? And life and the trauma and the experiences, it takes resistance and struggle and adversity to go through that, to get through the wrapping paper, to get to the gift that we get to enjoy and embrace and, you know, hopefully, you know, embody, um, so to speak, like metaphorically is the journey. And yep. so the heroin addict and the wall street billionaire or millionaire or whatever he was, um, they're equally, they're just the same person. They're just playing life out in different ways. They're playing different games, but it's the same energetic. It's the same vibration. It's the same role. It's just played out in a different term. But they're both miserable, right? Yeah. Yeah. And b back to the beginning of what you, a couple minutes ago, what you started that talk about was, uh, <laughs> was, um, 
you were saying how you created the person you you basically tried to create the life that you thought you needed to uh you know supplement what you didn't have when you were younger and yeah. you know i think a lot of people a lot of you know the majority of people if you're not completely healthy mentally then that's what you're going to do in your relationships and uh the sad part is you build this perfect life or yeah i got the woman who has a job and this is you know and she has a place and she's independent and she loves me and we have the nice american dream going on but then you get into that situation and since it didn't flow from a place of a healthy mind you've you've all of a sudden created like this crazy prison you know like a an un you've created a prison around yourself you know you went from yeah. being free to having this prison that you think you needed and yep. then you realize that you didn't need that at all you know and, that, uh, what you said is so huge man because really if you really look at myself as the example like use me let's like and that's the best thing i've ever done in my life the awareness of it is I just kind of use myself as a guinea pig through all this stuff. Like I went through all this shit. I might as well get something out of it. Yeah. Um, but when you look at me, like the idea of checking all the boxes, you know, as finding a woman that checks all these boxes as if like a human could even be put into a box or whatever, it was all in an answer to relegate and to negate the experience I had as a kid. Cause a kid going through those circumstances feels judged, feels less than, feels not enough feels like i'm just wrong from the get-go right when i was at school teachers were mean to me different things would happen i'm like oh man if i had a if i wasn't you know living the way i lived if my parents weren't who they were maybe people would like me more that's my basic very uneducated understanding of life at the time no fault of my own it's just how i experienced life it was very confusing and so the way the past isn't the past is i was taking the past what it made me feel, the struggles I went through, the judgments I had about it, and going, okay, well, I'm going to create a life. I'm going to imagine if I'm with this person, my life will be the opposite of that. So I'm overcompensating. I'm using the past as my measuring tool to create a future that negates my past. And in so doing, rejects the very little boy inside me that had the experience that doesn't need to be rejected. It's like, I need to acknowledge that little boy. I need to be there for him. I need to... to uh, hold space for him to be able to feel what it feels like to be all alone, to feel what it feels like to be afraid of where your next meal is coming from or if your dad's going to hit your mom or all those things, right? Those are hugely traumatic events. And yet what I'm doing is trying to build a life to shut that kid up and get rid of those events from my, my perspective, my understanding, my thoughts and just go, well, so I got all these boxes checked. So I'm good. I, I don't even have to act like I had that shitty experience as a kid. And what do we do when we suppress things? We depress. We get depressed, right? Yeah. Because I, I was cutting off, like, half of who I was, right? Yes. And when we do that, we can't have a full human experience. And so that's why I say the past isn't usually the past. Like, we're really struggling with these experiences. So I, that's why I went on all these rants to try to explain that. And hopefully, like, that is clear, a little bit clear. <laughs> or you're even more confused. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure somebody can, you know, relate to what you're saying, of course, man. Um, again, words, right? We're, we're uh, giving people a different perspective on life. And you have to remember, man, like, I would say that, like, we're kind of, you know, you were talking about these, these weird fucking dudes I sent you on that GIF, you know? Um, we're, we're kind of an anomaly. I talked to Stefan a lot about this. Um, and it's it's becoming more, you know people are becoming more conscious i think as we move along here but in the big scheme of things i mean how many men spend their time sitting and talking about their growth on a daily basis 
you know, what would the percentage be? You know, how many are so focused on that? I, I, it's got to be a small percentage, man, you know, and this is what, this is our, this is what we do, man. You know, like there's some people who like to get together and work on cars and there's some who like to get together and play cards and some who like to get together and go to bars. Well, we like to get together and talk about our growth, man, you know? And, uh, so the fact that we do that so often, it's just like the guys that get together and talk about their cars, when something's wrong with your car, are you going to ask me or are you going to ask the guys who get together and talk about their cars, right? Yeah. You're going to ask the guys who talk about their cars. So these people who never talk about growth and want to get better in their life, you know, this is the place to come if you want to get better in your life, man, because this is what we focus on. And uh, yeah. so you were saying, I don't know if anyone will catch this or not. No, the people that are here listening are people that want to get better. And so they're listening very fucking intently to what you're saying or else they wouldn't be listening, you know? So yeah. um, there's something else. The other thing I want to get into, we started talking about on the uh, on Marco Polo, but this is a good fucking topic that we can talk about um, is, uh, you know, relationships and relationships with um, a female you know and not just friend you know you know not just friend relationships you know like uh, uh, romantic relationships so um, what we were talking about <clears throat> yesterday we we're kind of getting into was again I'm giving you a contrarian view on the topic that's probably the smaller percentage of maybe very small percentage but um I sent you a a, a real I don't know if you saw it yet, but it's a dude saying people ask me why I'm single. And, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a really good one, man. Watch it after this. Um, but, uh, we're, I was talking about the book, the mastery of love and in the book, the mastery of love by Don Miguel Ruiz, which is a masterpiece of a book to me on, on the topic of love and relationships, probably the best one I've ever read. Um, and in chapter three, he talks about the two people, the man who didn't believe in love and, uh, he meets a girl who didn't believe in love and neither one of them believe in love. And all of a sudden they fall in love and everything's good and healthy and they're happy with each other. And they, uh, they move in together and they're like, Oh fuck, there is love. You know, I, I love this. We just love each other. We're letting each other be. And then he sees his happiness. He takes it like he sees his happiness in the stars, whatever the case, he takes his happiness and he hands it to her. He grabs one of the stars, which is his happiness. It's a metaphorical story, you know, and he hands her his star and it drops and breaks on the ground and she experiences an instant of doubt and it's no longer a happy, healthy relationship, you know, and, uh, that, that teaching in itself is something to unpack and think about. And, uh, and then we get into the topic as well. And of course I want to hear your view on this and we can talk about it. We get into the topic as well of, uh, healthy, having a, what a healthy relationship looks like. And, you know, there's somebody who would say that, well, there's fucking one group of people who would fucking not even know that a healthy relationship exists because they've never had one. Every experience they have with relationships, there's unhappiness arguments don't want to be there. Well, this is life. I'm with this person. I, uh, I'm not so happy, but I have somebody I'm not alone. So we're going to fucking get through this. You know, there's that group of people. And there's a group of people who believe that being in a relationship is a container for growth where, which I do believe in t to some aspect, uh, you know, people believe that, you know, a relationship is a container for growth. So you get into this relationship and you, and you can speak mostly on this because I believe this is where your thoughts are on the matter, you know, where you grow and you learn and you go through your struggles and you both have your toxicities and you learn how to accept it and you learn how to work on yourself. And it's a mirror for who you are. You know, when you're, when you're angry with your partner, 
you realize this is a mirror and there's something fucking that I got to work on in myself. And that's where you can do the work. So it gives you an opportunity to work on yourself, which I agree with, you know, but then I'm also exploring the idea of having a relationship with a female where it's kind of like the more you're alone and the more you work on, the more you go through these long relationships and these containers for growth and you learn, you keep learning, right? Cause where, where is it headed when you're learning about yourself and your toxicities and relationships? Eventually that's not going to be there anymore because you've learned. So you don't have to keep having these type of relationships where you're going at it or that relationship can mold into something where you're not fucking having all, having all this stress. You can eventually be conscious and healthy enough to where you, you attract a conscious and healthy person and you move along unattached through the world without any containers and you know you're both just living your life for instance and i'll let you elaborate of course for instance you meet a female you've gotten to a place where you know you've i'll use my life right now i've been in a lot of long-term relationships you know 15 years of marriage another seven-year relationship another seven-year relationship and they were all just me fucking working through my codependencies and fears you know that's what those relationships were and then mm-hmm. I've gotten to a point where now I'm happy and I'm just like, I no longer feel the need to get in a relationship that I've felt my whole life. I finally don't feel that. I finally feel happy alone to where I'm, I'm building this happy life. I'm, I'm having this amazing relationship with myself. I'm finding peace within myself. Um, I'm learning to have very strong faith and I'm in a happy place. And so I don't, I really don't feel the need to have a female now it, from that place. If, a, if I meet a female who's very awesome and conscious herself and has worked herself through and is at a place where she's worked many years through relationships and maybe I'm not the most conscious person who knows everything, but I'm at a certain level and maybe she's at that level too. And she's like, yeah, there's, there's, let's just, I, I can just add to what you got going. I'm not going to come and take over your life. Um, you live your life. I live mine. We spend time together. We have a good time. We enjoy each other, but we keep this happy place where we're at. You know, instead of I, I, at this point, I need to take my life and mesh it again with somebody else's and create this dual life of one, which I've done yeah. before. And that was, yeah, that was great, you know, but that was a certain learning experience at the time, you know? Yeah. And I, I believe that, that you can find, you can create from a, just a healthy place where you're unattached and walking down the road together. And just like I was telling you, what is me and you have a, have like a dope friendship. You know, we have a pretty healthy friendship and I try to surround myself with men like that. You know, we, 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 we're not fucking bitching at Our each other. courtship. We've been courting I'm, each other. Yeah. I'm not telling you what to do with your, <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of fighting is over money and shit, right. In, in, in romantic relationships. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. It, you know, like me and you don't fight over shit. We just enjoy each other's company and move along. You know, I mean, the only difference is like, if there's, it's not romantic. You know what I mean? But, or is if it? <laughs> <laughs> <Just> maybe, <laughs> but um, I've always thought you're extremely handsome, man. Oh, thank you. Got you. that going Jesus, for you. So. I'm blushing. All right. Well, you know, and, and I've thought to myself, well, as I go through this conscious evolvement of, of, is that a word? Evolvement? Evolving. Why of not? Sounds being cool. alone and being happy and, uh, prospering on my own and working on my goals, working on my mission, yeah. working on my podcast, working on my, the, my message, instead of focusing that energy on, you know, the codependency of needing somebody in my life and taking away yeah. from what I'm doing, just keep doing what I'm doing. And if somebody comes along, we just keep doing what the fuck we're doing. And, you know, without meshing, 
and, and, and as I speak, I'm trying to figure it out myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's a lifelong fucking thing to figure out, you know? Yeah. So first of all, what are your thoughts on the, uh, when he hands her his happiness? Like, like how would you say that translates into a relationship where you meet a girl and you got, everything's going good. And then all of a sudden you hand her your happiness. Like, how would you say that translates? And then number two, what are just your, your views on everything kind of that I was speaking about with the relationship? Yeah. At first I would just want to acknowledge the vulnerability and what you shared, you know, not only in the earlier in the conversation of how you shared like codependency and, and that about yourself, like, to me, I think we overlook it as if like, oh, well, I got to share what's wrong with me. That isn't it at all. Like you're not acknowledging a bug in the system, like something wrong with you as a human. What you're doing is uh, you're, you're displaying an act of courageousness to me. And when you identify that and you begin to take that as a win, you get, begin to take that as an ability to understand yourself better and have a more fuller experience and represent that in a medium like a podcast or to your friends or in your relationships you're you're being an example and inspiring other people to do the same you know so vulnerability i think is uh an amazing thing and it's super empowering and it's super uh inspirational and important so i try to acknowledge it when i see it uh you know very sincerely so thank I think, you for one thank you for being so vulnerable and using yourself as an example like i said i try to use myself so that people can relate to that 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 is what relations it's a ship right a container to relate to another person. That's what a relationship is. If we're not doing that, what the fuck is the point? So, but that takes a lot of humility because that means I have to take my fears, my concerns, my insecurities and like, Hey, I hear you, bro. Like you're good. I love you. We're good. And I have to actually listen to my wife when she's sharing hers. Because as soon as I listen to what she's saying, I begin to take on this like, well, if she thinks that and she does this, then that's going to impact me and it's going to make my life go this way and I'm going to be you know, powerless. And I'm, you know, do you see where that's going? Yes. And so it's like really being able to relate to another person and another person's experience can only happen through the, the container of a relationship if both people are willing to be vulnerable, open, and authentic, which is a very hard thing because unconsciously we've been programmed and set like these default settings in our life to be unconscious and to avoid those experiences. So that's the, the challenge that we face. So vulnerability is the direct you know, contrast to that and the experience that releases us from that trap, I believe. So well on you. Good job. I appreciate you for sharing that. As far oh, as the star thank you. analogy and metaphor, um, to me, it's, it really goes back to that quote I shared from James Hollis. I remember I was reading it and kind of like talking about it as I read it, so it might have made the whole quote kind of confusing. But it really broke down this idea of that good parent, right? Throughout most of people's trauma, it, every time I talk to someone, I coach, I do whatever, there's these hidden themes, these connections to maybe it's six years old, maybe it's eight years old. Maybe we talk about something you're like, oh man, that, I was 13 when I felt that. Like I remember it like so vividly. This happened. My mom said this. I was on the football field. And my whole world just was shattered, right? And, and I just made that up. But so it just those are the ways we relate. It, it goes back to our childhood. So that good parent, you know, the quote that, uh, Peter Crone says is the seeker is the sought S O U G H T sought. And so what, what I believe that's about is there's an experience I was trying to have, like I, I, as a full human, you know, if you can believe in unity, oneness, energy, whatever you believe, maybe it's God, maybe it's whatever. But what I believe is like, if you, you think of it as an inner energy, 
it's just pure light, right? That's what we can say we came from. And I'm just making this up. You don't have to believe it. If you believe in Jesus, I love you. It's okay. You know, whatever, Allah, all of them. Amazing. Um, so we're all light in this analogy. How do you contrast? How do you experience the someone that you are, which you're just some of the one. When you break down that word, someone, I'm some of this whole one. I wouldn't even know where I began, where I ended. I wouldn't even have that experience at all unless I transport myself into this human meat suit and I have all these insecurities, all these fears, all these worries. And that contrasts the difference, the lack, the inadequacy that I perceive of myself, contrasts the, the, the fullness that I am as pure light, right? That one. And so that's how we can begin to try to avoid the responsibility for the truth of who we are is what I believe that potential, that, that unending unbounded un like, like priceless energy that we are, the potential that we are inside that I call like it's to how we expose ourselves to our own excellence is really what I focus on. It's terrifying because if that's true, then all of my fears, all of my worries, it's almost makes me like, I got nothing. Like I got to just go out and do stuff. Like I have nothing to, to protect myself from uncertainty and the mystery of life. I have to just go out there and begin to do stuff. And I don't have all my overcompensations, all my fears to like kind of protect me. It's a self-protecting mechanism. Really. It's an adaptation to not understanding how great we are. So inside of that, like I want to give up my responsibility for being the good parent to myself. I don't want to take the time or I don't see myself as adequate enough to love on the little boy that got hurt when he was a kid. Like, I didn't want to do that. Right. Or if I answer the door and there's a five-year-old version of me bawling his eyes out, I'm like, Oh shit. And I just shut the door. Like, Oh, don't want to deal with that shit. That's my trauma. Fuck that. You know, but someone like you, like I can tell you about it and you're like, Oh man, I love you, man. I'm sorry you went through that. And that's pretty much an equivalent to you just kind of being a good parent to me, but we don't want to do that. So our relationships are a mirror to me because they reveal those wounds to us. Yet a good relationship, a healthy relationship, a non-codependent relationship allows us to take responsibility for those wounds. They don't kind of come over and take them away from us and be like, here, let me take care of you. Oh, here, just, it's okay, honey. Right? Like even like a mom that, you know, maybe is a helicopter mom and kind of over, over protects her son and just, just, just too involved. Right? Like, let him go out there and take necessary risks. Let him climb on that fence. Right? I climbed on some fences and fell off and, you know, bash my head up and did all the stupid things I was supposed to do as a boy. Cause I was testing the edges of what I believed was possible for me. And sometimes it went badly, you know? And so inside these relationships, uh, this, this heart, this star that I was trying to hand to someone else, taking away the oneness and, and the responsibility I was supposed to hold. I mean, I could show it to you. I can share it with you. I can like shine my light on you. Right. The seeker is aside. It's like a lighthouse. It, <clears throat> when you're seeking like, the light and the truth and the understanding and the awareness that we all want in life. And I'm like lost ship out at sea and you see a lighthouse, you start to go towards the light. You're going to go towards land. You're going to get to solid ground. You're going to get foundational like understanding. But what we don't realize is that light that's moving, that's guiding us. It's coming from within us. It's not outside of us. We, we project it onto others as if they got all the answers, they have it figured out. But the truth is that light comes from within. We just don't know how to acknowledge ourselves because we've created a story, a narrative, an identity of who we are based on the experiences we have in our childhood and our past that does not allow us to acknowledge the truth of who we are. And so what I see as a relationship when you're trying to give up that truth, 
of course it's going to shatter. Of course it's going to break. Of course the relationship's going to just like just fall apart because it it no longer serves the purpose of being what it's supposed to be is a mirror for us to begin to understand and, and live into the truth and the challenge and the adversity that taking on that responsibility responsibility brings is you're you're a guiding beautiful light of oneness you're some of that one and you have a responsibility according to that truth which is what i believe that to and and fail at every day i struggle every day the the immensity of that because i'm also a flawed human who is inadequate in some ways like built into the system in order to cause that contrast you know when i fail to communicate with my wife clearly it's me going okay well what the, where did, what what am i missing here like what am i not seeing and i go oh man you're just scared like you're afraid of this and so when i share that openly like hey i'm really afraid of this and you're like oh okay i can get that like and it, it like begins like i said vulnerability opens you up to the experience and you can begin to get value through that uh oh um but that's what I see with that, like trying to hand away. It's just like not healing that childhood trauma of your parent. It's like, you know, really not wanting to be that good parent to yourself and always just going, well, if I had a better mom or a better dad, I wouldn't need to be a better parent to myself. Right. And, and so by doing that, you're, you're always the victim. You're always like free of having to take responsibility for your own trauma and healing it which I totally understand because healing your trauma and dealing with your shit is very hard. That's why you shouldn't do it alone. You should have a coach. You should have a, a therapist. You should have supportive friends, family, and, and partners in relationships or whatever to support you as you go through this self-discovery process. And as far as I think there was a second question, maybe I didn't answer yet. Um, the way it related to the detachment experience that you're having and the approach you're taking to relationships um, I think it's just the varying degrees of experience. Like what I'm seeing, if and if it relates, it relates. If it doesn't, I could be wrong. Um, is based on the relationship experiences you had as a child and then throughout your life up until this point, it dictates that you experience whether it's the book of the mastery of love or interactions with women and, and relationship settings, you experience them according to the fullness of that journey up until this point. So why is it that the mastery of love spoke to you so much? Why is that like, why is that message hitting home where when someone else who had had maybe a different experience, uh, as a kid, not, not codependent, I don't know. Uh, maybe they're, they're struggling in a different way. They wouldn't read that book and have the exact same experience. And that's the degrees of complexities that we have as humans that it isn't wrong, no matter how you do it, but why is it important to you? And that does matter because you matter, right? And when that becomes a truth, then you can start to see as, oh, well, this approach speaks to me more because of these experiences, which are valid and true, but they're not going to dictate my decisions. They're just going to, they're going to, uh, like I was saying it, they're going to cause me to notice where my desires are drawn in certain aspects of life and certain variations of relationship to most fit. What is the most energetically enjoyable experience that I can have day to day? So my version of relationship is very different than yours, but neither is wrong. I don't believe because how can I apply your version to me when we, even though we're very similar in a lot of ways, you know, our past kind of has some similarities. We're still, no matter what, even if we were brothers and grew up in the exact same household, we have completely different experiences of those, those, uh, situations that happened. And so the complexity and the, the degreeing 
nature of it all, you got to hold space for not only people's vulnerabilities, but also their, their, their experience and perception of what happened and how that is a guiding, like, uh, understanding of the decisions they make moving forward. Jesus, that was a long answer. So I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I, I was relating with what you were saying about, uh, you know, you, everybody uh, obviously experiences life from where, from where they're at. So yeah, there's people that aren't going to be able to have a conscious, healthy relationship maybe ever, or at least for a long time, because wherever they are on their personal growth and with their, uh, consciousness level is going to dictate the relationships that they have in their life. But the beauty of working on yourself constantly, just like James Hollis says, is as you go into as you make all these mistakes and all these mistakes, they're not for nothing, you know, as you yeah. make these fucked up marriages and uh, fucked up relationships, it's not, none of it is for nothing. If you take the gems from it and the treasures that, that it's given you and, uh, and, and keep that, you know, and then apply it, what you've learned as you move forward. Because like he says, the first half of life, you're learning a bunch of shit, man. You're just fucking up over and over and you're like, God damn it. Why did I make that decision? You know, and that's and not a direct keep, quote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a Jackson Gage quote. Yeah. Um, your whole first half of life, you're making all these fucked uh, up. Um, he decisions, calls it uh, you know? an unavoidable mistake, which I think yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. And you just keep learning. And then as you become conscious and at peace within yourself, you know, and which I think is like the, the road to enlightenment, which is a whole nother topic, which uh, and, you know, and I always wonder what is light enlightenment? Is it some like fucking like, are you a goddamn floating fucking, but what I've realized is enlightenment is when you can stand in the storms and not be fucking shaken, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're at peace within yourself and nothing outside of you can, 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 can fuck you up and, and you're happy regardless of your circumstance, that's a dangerous level. You know, when you get to that level, yeah. you're starting to become a master of life because then you can create whatever you want. You know, you can create the most healthy relationship you've ever, you can create those because you're going to attract all those things that vibrate with that level of peace that you hold within yourself. And yeah. so if you're having a lack of peace in your life and if you're in the storms of life, just know that you don't have to be, you can get yourself to a point where you can not experience any of that, you know, and, uh, internal takes, right? Like, it doesn't yeah, have well, to define you, so to speak. Well, it doesn't have to define you, but as you move along and you become at peace within yourself, your world becomes a mirror of that peace that you're emitting. And yeah, you're no longer the frequency. Happen. You're, the frequency you're putting out, and all of a sudden you're you're going to experience that outside of you as well. You know what I mean? The storms all of a sudden become sunshine. Yeah. yeah I believe a, that's a, that. I, I always try to be graceful with those kind of explanations because there. I remember at times in my life where I was struggling so deeply with darkness and struggles and, and everything I was going through that just hearing people say that felt ridiculous. Like, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. So there's no way like I can stop this internal experience I'm having. And that just went like, so two things that come up for me, the terms is grace and redemption, like understanding, like life is an unavoidable mistake up into like that first half. If it's unavoidable, you should not be, there's a quote I, I read recently. It was, I think it's like, uh, Paul Tillich is his name or something like a really old history guy. And he said, like, accept the fact that you're acceptable, despite the fact that you're unacceptable. Like, it's that dichotomy, that play of it, like where it's like, give yourself grace. Like, that's the definition of grace is like, yeah, there, there's we're totally unconscious at times and we make huge 
bumbling mistakes, unavoidable mistakes, but we're also worthy of love and compassion and grace throughout. And the next is the redemption where it's like every single next moment, this, like from this moment right now to now this moment that we just, the seconds that went past through, I said that redemption is available to you. Like you can go from being stressed out and upset and angry and furious and, and all these things. And the next moment you can take a deep breath and okay, like I'm going to make a different choice right now. And that is redemptive. That, that means that you can change for the better. You can become a better version of yourself. That's what you're speaking to. And I, and I think that's the compassion and vulnerability you live into that allows you to say that message that doesn't negate the people that are struggling right now in this moment. Cause some people have some very significant struggles, you know, and, oh, yeah. and sometimes when they hear that, they don't think we're including them in this talk and we are. Yeah. No, the, when, when I say that, you know, I'm speaking from a place of, of being, you know, where I've been to the fucking, for my life, I've, I've been to the dark, you know, I've been to the raucous yeah. of motherfucking bottoms, you know? And, uh, and when you hit that place of rock bottom, dark depression, lose everything, you lose everything that you care about. You know, you have choices. you have, there's two choices. When you hit the fucking darkness of life, you can succumb to it, you know, and let the ego, the devil, whatever you want to call it, you can succumb to the darkness and, take the uh okay i got that you can succumb to the darkness or you can um i'm sorry that the message made me i lost sorry. My but you can you know you when you get to that dark spot you can succumb to it or you can choose to you know the one quote i like to use a lot and it's a yoda quote is you know train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose and he doesn't say let go of it maybe he says train yourself to let go and yeah you know, and, and if you can let go of everything you fear to lose, you, that's when you become a master of the darkness because you have an internal light. Yeah. And uh, so what I'm saying is I've been into the fucking dark to where a suicidal fucking depression where I've lost everything that I could ever fucking love. And I've been able to find a happy place within that to where yeah. I've, I've then you start feeling like there's nothing that can. The only thing you can create when when you put that inner light inside of you, the only thing that your life will create from there is goodness, you know. So, yeah, because that's um, I speak from that. Right? That's a Exactly. That's and the and place what I'm you're saying from. is is very reflective to the idea of like holding that star and trying to hand it to another. Like when you're in that space, you aren't trying to possess those things you fear to lose. Like ego wants us to like grab onto them and hold onto them like they're mine, mine, mine. Because I'm lacking, so I need to take out externally whatever that is into me in order to be whole. But what I'm saying is we are the one, like the oneness, we're some of that one, so we can't not be whole. Like that isn't the that's what I'm saying with the, the Christmas present thing. Like you're already the present, like you are the prize and we're just going through the experiences of life, removing the wrapping paper to expose ourselves to that truth. And that's what that mastery of love is as well. It's like, yay, you're whole, you're wonderful. And relationships go, yay, you're, you're whole, you're wonderful. But what we're doing is twisting that message and going, oh, this means I'm not good enough. They left me because of this. Or if I was better, they would stay and love me and, and treat me this way. But what we're lacking is the ability to love ourselves the way we were always meant to be loved. The seeker is the sought. So every characteristic you're looking in relationships, you're looking for that in your partner. If you were able to use that as a mirror and reflect it back to yourself, like, oh, well, I'm just looking for myself to be more supportive of myself. I'm looking for myself to love myself the way I deserve. I'm looking for myself to keep my word with myself. You know, all the things we're demanding of our partners or the things we demand of our parents to be the good parent we wish they were all the judgments we put on our parents for failing us. Right. 
that's the characteristics we're looking to put on ourselves. So when he's given away the star, he's given away his responsibility to be who he's always meant to be, his wholeness. And of course it shatters if you do that. That's yes. how I see it. And that's why okay. I say we need a lot more grace and we need to understand the redemptive uh, powers in the next moment. We always have that choice, right? You're in the darkness. You can succumb to it and go, my life's over. This sucks. Or you can take that redemptive power of the next moment and go, hey, got nothing to lose. It's all up from here. Like I can do this, you know, and you can make a different choice. And what comes up for me when you share that is uh, a man's search for meaning. Victor Frankl, man, talk about darkness, mm -hmm. like what he went through. Uh, that book is so inspiring, right? And mm -hmm. so I really believe there's so much. And I hope I tried to impact some of it in this talk and, and, you know, we didn't have much time, but there's so much to talk, even in enlightenment and all the different experiences, but it, there's so much here. There's so much depth to every single unique human experience and viewpoint that that's what I love about people. I love having conversations. I love this. Like, I think it's the greatest thing you could do with your life, which is the same thing. When I read a book, it feels like I'm having a conversation with that person, whether they're passed away or not. That's why I love reading so much is like, man, I get like to have all these chats and speaking of like unavoidable mistakes, like life, I, like my shirt has this like toothpaste on it. I was this morning, I was brushing my teeth and I have like the automatic toothbrush and I just noticed it. I'm like, man, I look like a slob, but I saw that. I saw you, I, uh, I saw you, I saw you touching it and I was like, oh shit, like, William's got someone nutted on William's chest. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, but I was just like, dang, I'm kind of a mess. I don't remember getting so messy, but when I was brushing my teeth, I'm like trying to hurry up and get things done. And I like fumbled a toothbrush all over the place, like a complete buffoon. <laughs> and I just dropped out myself in toothpaste and I just hopped on a podcast. Like, why not change my shirt or do something? But it's an avoidable mistake. The lack of yeah. awareness, like it's human. Who fucking cares? Exactly. Like, you're worthy of love. You're always going to be your whole as you are now. And the only journey of coaching and therapy and growth as a human is to reveal to you what has always been there, what has always been true. And that is that you are a being of love, light and fucking worthiness. And you can't, even if you don't like it, even if you'd rather have your victim story, which is the only thing in the way of that frequency of you truly embodying what you're saying, that frequency that, that of that peace inside the storm, it has always been there. It's only the identity of who we believe we are, the story we tell ourselves about our past, about our present, and about the future that we're afraid of that keeps us from accessing that. So yeah. life is less about a journey of getting better and actually doing these things that make us better and more of like revealing and getting rid of all that it isn't us that's always been in the way of us connecting with who we've always truly been. And those yeah, words man. are very easy to say and very hard to apply. And so I say that humbly as someone who's failing at it every day. But I do still think those words are valid. Yeah, man. Um, that's a, uh, I know you got to get going, man. So yeah. that's a, that's Baby. a good conversation where we're just getting into fucking rock bottom conversation. We're going to have to, we're going to have to like do this again and uh, uh, man, start from talking about talking about the rock bottom shit, because that's a whole real, that's a powerful topic that I think people can really absorb and, and feel happy after listening to. So yeah. um, we'll talk about that soon. And, you know, um, yeah, man, thanks for coming on here and, you know, let's do it again and we'll do so rollers soon as well, man. Heck um, yeah. Yeah. So Williams on Instagram at the will Dennis. And like I said in the intro, he also does life coaching. So, you know, hit him up for that. Yeah. And w w real quick, man, if someone's wondering what, what type of coaching you do, man, what, what would you say? Uh, it, it speaks a lot to what I've been trying to uh, share on this podcast. It's just understanding the complexity that 
each of us bring to life and the experience we had. And what all the only I care about is holding space for someone that allows them to navigate this experience uh, and, that they may have had in a way that holds compassion, love, support, acknowledgement for the courageous uh, act it takes to heal. Healing isn't something that's floaty and, and shiny and fun and sweet. Like healing is like walking through a swamp, you know, and it's not easy. And it and it could be so hard to do alone and you shouldn't do it alone. So the the idea that I could just hold space for someone and be there for them and, and help guide and, and and hold space for them as they're beginning to work through self-awareness and, you know, maybe some things they've gone through that are really hard for them. That's all I wish to, to do humbly, you know, as a coach is, is, is just to, to take the experience I've had, you know, through life and, and hopefully uh, hold a mirror to someone so they, they can see themselves truly fully for who they really are uh maybe for the first time and just to add because just i've you know worked with you in coaching it just very for somebody who's not as deep thinking uh william will help you get a clearer picture for your future and become that person so if you want to just say it in one sentence that if you're thinking of like well what do it do for me william help you get a clearer picture of who you want to be and then become that you know so that's uh the power of coaching so hit up william you know, in, in that regards. And, uh, other than that, man, thank you for this, man. And we'll do it again soon. We'll get on the, we should do one. Just talk, start off talking about the, the whole, you know, suffering experience and how to navigate through it. Yeah. Uh, other than that. Yeah. Go get your, go get your son, man. Awesome. And we will, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Thank you for having me on. All right. It's uh, all yeah. Right. Of course, man. Love you, dude. Love you. All right. See ya. <laughs>